pray with me. Father, we thank you that you're already answering this prayer, that you're above and below, behind and before. And I pray, Lord, wherever um, our journeys take us this week, that, that you would walk ahead of us to prepare and plan our way and that you would walk beside us, companion on our journey as we go and that you would walk behind us to complete what we must leave undone. We ask that you'd be under us to support and sustain us when we fall. That you'd be within us to give peace and comfort on the journey, but above all, Lord Christ, be over us, watching, calling, guiding, and challenging now and forevermore. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. As we come to the Lord's table, I'm just reminded that from my earliest childhood, I associated church with food. Um, I'm not sure if it was because my mom, you know, like brought snacks to kind of calm me down uh, on the pew or the all-you-can-eat sort of uh, fellowships. We, at least I thought they were all-you-can-eat fellowships that we had after church. And then I went to my first church and every first Sunday of the month, these glorious ladies would bring multiple dishes and uh, we would eat in a, a dinner on the grounds at the first church I served. I went to my second church and they did it every Sunday night. So new church, more food, all good. And uh, just, just love that. And a friend of mine and I were talking this week, we were at the convention up in Waco, and he said, have you ever noticed that all the great Baptist businessmen have made their fortunes in food? I mean, think about it, like Truett, Kathy, and Chick-fil-A, and I want to make you hungry because you can't go there today anyway, but uh, you can go tomorrow. And uh, John Baugh, who was a member of our church when I came here, uh, founded Cisco Foods. He and his wife, Eula May, uh, in their living room, they founded this great food company. And you see all these Cisco trucks um, that all started with them. And, and then um, I was with Drayton McLean this week. And I know I was, I was telling Billy Graham the other day, I've got to stop name dropping. But anyway, I was with Drayton and I was just hanging out with him this week. And uh, we were both nominating people to be president of the convention. We were nominating against each other, but we're really good friends. And uh, we were just talking backstage. And he looked out at the crowd in the convention. He said, how many people you think are out there? And I said, I, I don't know how many you think. He said, I think there's not one more than 300 people here. And I said, ah, no, no, no. You know, I mean, you never can trust preachers to, you know, guess numbers. But I was like, no, I think there's like 1,200 ministerially speaking, something like that. And he looked at me and he said, do you like Whataburgers? I know this is totally random. And I said, yeah, I really like Whataburgers. I can eat them about once a year, you know, but I, I love them. And he said, I'll bet you a Whataburger and fries that there's not more than 300 people sitting in that room. And I'm just confessing before we eat at the table, I said, I'll take that bet. And I shook his hand and we bet right there at the Baptist convention, which is an interesting place to make a bet. And so he, uh, he uh, emailed me this week and said, I'm sending you a coupon for a Whataburger and fries because that's right, I won. But the interesting thing was I thought if he had won, I would have to buy a burger for a billionaire. That would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? And I was just thinking about how Baptists and food and all this, and it turns out it goes way back, Jesus feeding 5,000. And then I was reading that in John 6 this week, and then he feeds 4,000. And then they're in the boat, the disciples, and they're worried about food. R right there with the guy who just fed 5,000 and 4,000. Jesus is like, how long am I going to be with you? You don't think I can feed you? I can feed you. And then that great night before he was crucified, when he gathered them around that table that we call the Lord's Supper, early in the second century, our Christian forefathers started calling this the Eucharist. You know what it means? It's the Greek word for thanksgiving. So next time you hear Holy Eucharist, think 
holy thanksgiving. Where did they get that? Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, we read, he gave thanks. And for what did he give thanks? I'd love to show you. Would you open your Bibles with me? 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. Don't know how many times I've read this passage, but this week it just, um, just kind of jumped off the page for me. Let's stand together in reverence for the Lord. And today I'm going to get it right. I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord after I read. And you're going to say, thanks be to God. I told you to do that last week. And then I just raced on through. And I apologize for that. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. And then I'm going to read some verses in chapter 11 as well. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You are sheepish. I want to do that again. Thanks be to God. I'll do it. This is the word of the Lord. And you are. Amen. That was better. Good. We can establish these things over time. So this is the first writing of the Lord's Supper. I don't know if you know that and you're like, how can that be, Pastor? Because there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts that talk about, but no. Actually, Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians chronologically, we believe, before the Gospels were written. So this is kind of the first account of it. And Paul says, I got this from Jesus. I received it from the Lord and this is what I know. This is the tradition that Jesus taught and we can go back to the gospels and see each of them is a different facet of the diamond showing us just a little bit like a prism of light, just a, a little bit different uh, look at the Lord's Supper. But this one I think shows us something special about the connection of gratitude with the Lord's Supper. So sometimes we do the Lord's Supper, like I'm thinking about Maundy Thursday, and it can be like a service of darkness and very quiet and somber, and we leave in silence. And that's one way of partaking of the Lord's Supper. But another way it occurred to me about 20 years ago is that we would come singing to the table that we would come in celebration, not only commemorating what Christ has done, but celebrating who he is making us to be. And I don't know how many times I've read verses 16 and 17 of chapter 10, but this week it just, it just hit me. Right here, Paul is showing us the two ways he used the word soma or body. This is different from flesh. Flesh, uh, carna, carnality, usually has a negative connotation, but soma, in this case, is the body. And he says... Uh, this is my body, which is for you. And Jesus was talking, of course, about his uh, corporeal, his physical body and saying, this is my body. My body is going to be broken for you in the next 24 hours. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my life for you. 
because I love you. And so this is Jesus teaching them that. But notice in verse 17, he says, and we're all eating from this one loaf of bread and you are the body of Christ. And we've been studying the book of 1 Corinthians. And remember, Paul says, so we're all one body and you're all members of that body. So the word body is used two ways. First of all, the physical body of Jesus. And second, the body of Christ. And what we see is the way that Jesus connected this was on the night that he was betrayed, he takes bread and he gives thanks for the very body which he knows is going to be broken, is going to be given, some translations say, for his disciples. But he also knows that he's going to be raised, not as a spirit, but as a body. He's going to be raised as a body and as a new body, he's going to teach his disciples for 40 days and then he's going to ascend from the mountain and as he ascends, he knows he's leaving behind his body, the body of Christ. And today as we give thanks, I just want us to join Paul in giving thanks first for the corporeal, the physical body of Jesus, which is broken for us. So as we eat this bread, I just want us to remember that Jesus gave up his very life for us. This is sort of mind boggling, but the one who made humanity, who formed Adam and Eve from the dust, that very one took on flesh. John chapter one tells us he pitched his tent among us. He lived among us as a human being and he died a physical death, much like our loved ones have died, much as we will die. Jesus died physically and knowing he was going to die, he said, this is my body. And he gave thanks for his death for us. Can I just ask you, if Jesus gave thanks for his death for us, shouldn't we give thanks for his death for us? If we're not thankful for anything else in the world today, we ought to be thankful that Jesus' body was broken for us so that we might live. This is a great promise from God's word and we just hold on to this. And just yesterday with a family who had lost their 46 year old daughter, I was reminded of how precious even the body of our loved ones is to us, um, just how precious we're, we're not, we are so not like Hamlet when he, in his insane state, Shakespeare has him saying after he kills his friend Polonius, um, I'll lug the guts into the neighboring room. We don't see bodies that way. We, we see the body of our loved ones. I think of my friend Bruce Prindle who went on a mission trip up to Tennessee one summer. And while he was there, there was a tragic accident and a young man was killed uh, in a hunting accident with a rifle and his father was there and he picked up his son and took him to the emergency room and carried him back there and they worked on his son and tried to save his life but they couldn't and the father came out literally covered in his own son's blood. And as he walked out, he said to the people, um, my son has died and they were concerned about him and they expressed their concern and one of them, you know how we are in those moments, we don't know what to say, do we? Sometimes nothing is a good thing to say. But in that moment, he wants to say something and he says to this father who's just lost his son, okay, well, let's go get you cleaned up. And the father in this moment is not rational and he, he looks down and he sees this blood and he says, this blood is all I have left of my son. I don't want to be cleaned up because his son's life was precious to him. Now imagine how precious the son of God's life was to the heavenly father and yet he willingly gave him up for us all. Paul says, how will he not also along with him 
freely give us all things. If God gave up his son, then there is nothing that he will not give to his people when we are in need. And it's just a reminder of how precious God's son was to him. I thought about casting crowns song. You remember this song, and it's actually a revival of a song I used to sing when I was a little kid in church. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day. And Paul says, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you're only doing this for a while. But while you're doing it, just like those who took the microphone, we're all proclaiming Christ's death today, but only until he comes Uh, In Alice in Wonderland, the white queen says, it's a very poor memory that only works in reverse. (laughs) If your memory only goes backward, that's not good. And so Paul says, we're remembering forward. We're remembering what Christ has done in anticipation of his return. And won't that be a glorious day? And today I want to thank God for the physical body of Christ. But even as I do that, that commemoration, remembering, we're not only remembering, we're reenacting what God did for us on the cross today. And people say, well, um, is the, you know, what about, what, this is my body. And, and by the way, denominations have been formed over this. Um, so is, does it literally become, when you take it in your mouth, does it become the literal body of Jesus? Some people believe that. Some people believe it becomes literal blood. And then others said, I'm not sure that's true. But I think um, he is with, the presence of Christ is with the bread. And there's these conversations about how God is present in the supper. Uh, I love uh, uh, McCoskey who wrote recently about this and said, in this digital age, the real argument ought to be about, not about how God is present, but about whether or not we're present. Because we got our phones and we got stuff going and we're thinking about this. Are we present and accounted for as we eat and as we drink today? Because when we do, we move beyond commemoration to celebration. And I tell you what I want to celebrate today in verse 17 when he says, we're all from the same loaf. Now this is kind of lost in our little squares of, of um, um, not cardboard, but like little, um, little uh, cracker things, you know. But can we just envision that those crackers all used to be part of one big, you know, cracker or just envision this bread and, and every part is a piece of that. And what he says is, you're all part of the body of Christ in chapter 12, verse 25. You're all part. Chapter 12, verse 27, you're all part. So in 11, in 11.33, he says... So when you gather for the Lord's Supper, I want you to eat together because you're one, just like a loaf of bread is, is one. And you can take parts of it, but it's one when it starts. And the body of Christ is one. And every one of us is a part of that body. And I just want to give thanks for that today. And I was reminded of it again today. I was sitting here on the platform singing and I look at the back and there's Robert Pratt. And I look up in the choir and there's Ginger Pratt. And I didn't know they were going to be here today because yesterday um, they said goodbye to their 46-year-old daughter. Remember, as I was leaving last Sunday, I said, I want us to pray right now for Shannon Gledich, who's got a brain hemorrhage. She's in San Antonio on vacation uh, with her husband. Her kids are on a mission trip down in Galveston, a retreat down in Galveston. And Shannon um, passed away this week. They found out she had leukemia and that had caused the hemorrhage. And she was gone and this family said goodbye. And I was part of that service yesterday at one of our sister churches. And I was just sitting there and I looked out in the congregation and I saw all these people from Tallawood and I was thinking, so how do they all know? Well, everybody knows Robert and and Ginger. I mean, they're pillars of the church. Obviously here today, the day after 
their daughter's funeral. But then I started looking and I could see connections, other families whose kids grew up with Shannon, who were the same age as Shannon, and others who sing in the choir, and others whose children have been taught by Robert in our children's Sunday school area where he works as a director and helper there. And I just sort of looked at all of that. And then, of course, Greg and Susan, who are a part of our family here and and their kids. And just, I was just overwhelmed this morning when I looked out and saw them and I thought they're here on the day after one. But then I thought, why wouldn't they be here? Because where else do you go when your world unravels? When the totally unexpected happens, where do you go then? I mean, if you don't have a family, if you don't have a community that you share life with, I mean, I was at another of our families, um, this was 15 years ago and their, their kids and grandkids are in our church now, but I, I go over to this house because uh, this friend of mine has passed away and I think I'm the first one there because he's just passed away. But no, I'm not the first one there because four families from the church precede me, find the key underneath the mat, go inside and start cooking and preparing. And I knocked on the door and said, I'm here. Um, Can I wait inside with you till the family gets here? Yeah, why are you guys here? Yeah, well, we went on vacation together for the last 20 years. Our kids grew up with their kids. And I thought, this is community. When you, when you can rejoice with those who rejoice, these flowers are about the Graces. Uh, uh, Kenny and Susie Grace's daughter, Sarah, got married right, right here last night to Alden Harris. And, and that was a great celebration. It was just this atmosphere of rejoicing. But can you see the contrast? Because then earlier in the day, I was with the Pratts and the loss of their daughter. And this is what life together is about. Sometimes we rejoice with those who rejoice and sometimes we weep with those who weep. Can I just ask you though, if you're disconnected from a body, with whom do you rejoice when you rejoice? Imagine eating Thanksgiving dinner alone. Don't let anybody you know do that this week. And and, and when you're hurting, if you're not part of a body, who's gonna weep with you when you weep? Because it's hard to cry alone. It's hard to rejoice alone. But the body of Christ. So when we give thanks today and come and receive the bread and the cup, I just want us to be thankful not only for Christ's physical body, but for his continuing body in the world of which we are a part, the church, the called out ones, the ones for whom Christ gave his life. And as we come and as we eat and as we drink, I want you to take the bread and the cup. Don't eat right here. Don't eat at the front. Take it back and just hold on to it. And the whole time you're doing it, I just want you to give thanks for Christ's body broken for you, for Christ's body that is living together in community here of which I am so grateful to be a part of this family, of this community. And I want us today to examine our hearts before the Lord, absolutely confess, confess sins, not just in a joking way, my bet with Drayton over the burger, but, but there are real sins in our lives. And at that, at that wedding last night, this young woman is singing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So this week, when you're, when you're, not if, when you're tempted to sin this week, could you just remember Christ's body broken for you? Just envision Christ on the cross dying for you. Envision him rising from the dead and bursting forth into glorious day and rolling the stone away and coming out alive so that we can live. And it'll give you all kinds of help with your temptation this week. 
if you think about his body. But if, if just imagining that's not enough, then call a brother, call a sister, live in accountability. This has got to be a place where we can confess that we're sinners. This cannot be a pretend place where we're all pretending to be something that we're not. This is a place where you can say, hey, I struggled with this this week and hear from every member of the body, I love you no matter what. And there's no other place on earth that offers that except the body of Christ. And the only reason we can do it is because he did it for us. He did it for me. He did it for love. He did it for you. He did it for love, we sing. Pray with me, God, thank you for the body of Christ broken for us. Thank you for the beauty of this body of Christ that we call Tallowood. Help us, I pray, Lord, to come to your table with gratitude for your gifts of goodness. In Jesus' name, we pray and worship. Amen.